In Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, gangs patrol the streets, punishing anyone who breaks the curfew. In India, over a billion people are under a strict lockdown. In Italy, seniors die because there is not enough medical equipment. And in American hospitals, healthcare workers risk their lives every day to provide care without sufficient protective equipment. Not since the Second World War have we seen so much upheaval in the world. As people worry about their health and the health of their family members, as they fret over their jobs and paychecks, as they see their investments and small businesses evaporate overnight, we wonder, does the Bible provide any peace in times like this? Well, the short answer is yes. The Bible tells us the secret to living in perfect peace. This secret is found in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. So you can find it in the 26th chapter of that book, in the third verse of the chapter. So let me read it for you. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Now, the book of Isaiah was written 2,500 years ago, at a time when God's people, the Jews, were living in very troubled times. When Isaiah began writing this book, the kingdom of Judah was basking in wealth and prosperity, but over the course of Isaiah's life, he saw the country become weaker and weaker. At one point, a huge force of tens of thousands of Assyrian soldiers attacked the country. They killed and tortured hundreds of people. They even besieged the capital city, Jerusalem, until God stopped them. It was a very frightening time to live in, because the Assyrians had a reputation for terror and cruelty. But Isaiah the prophet, who lived through this troubling time, he wrote the words in chapter 26 as a sort of victory song that God's people would one day sing. And in this song, we find the secret. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Now, if we were going to pay attention to this verse, we would find three truths about peace that will help us to live calmly in a troubled world. Three truths about peace that will help us to live calmly in a troubled world. So look with me at these three truths. The first truth is that God gives perfect peace. The verse says that. It says, you keep him in perfect peace. Years ago, there was an art competition. Anyone could submit a painting, but the goal of the competition was to create a painting that would illustrate the concept of Christian peace. And so many people did that. They submitted different paintings. But at the end of the competition, they announced that there were two finalists. The first picture was a sunset. And it was the most tranquil, peaceful scene that you could imagine. It was just a beautiful painting. Everything in the picture was perfect. It, it looked like the end of a perfect day, this beautiful sunset. It seemed like the obvious winner of the contest. Until they revealed the second painting. And this painting was completely different. It was a painting of a huge waterfall. And this waterfall, all around this waterfall, there was a terrific terrifying thunderstorm going on. Lightning streaked across the sky. Rain fell in torrents. There was nothing peaceful at all about this picture, except that in one of the trees
trees by the waterfall, there was a small nest, and a mother bird was quietly going about her life, providing for her chicks, who were peacefully resting in the nest. And so it illustrated the concept of Christian peace, true peace and rest, in that nest, in the middle of a terrifying world. Now that's the kind of peace that God can give. God does not promise to remove all the chaos of the world, but he can provide peace in the middle of the chaos. You see, Bible characters needed this peace just like you and I need this peace today. And if we think that we're going through troubling times today, well, the Bible is full of troubling times as well. It's full of chaotic events. Have you ever read it? The Bible talks about wars, famines, diseases, foreign occupation, slavery, brutal assaults, and murders. They were very troubling times to live in. But even in those times, God provided peace. And if God could provide peace in those times, he can also provide peace in these times. And I want to throw this in just as a side note. Some people wonder, why does the Bible contain all these graphic details of the terrible things that happened in the past? Well, the answer is because the Bible is a book for the real world. If the Bible wasn't really honest about the world, if it didn't admit that there were terrible things that happened in the world, then it would only be for people who live in a fairy tale land. But the Bible, it does deal with the brutal facts of reality. It, it's well suited for people who live in a grimy, dirty, chaotic world. And so it speaks to us where we are in the middle of the troublous times that we find ourselves in. But I also want you to notice from this verse where this perfect peace comes from. It doesn't come from our own attempts to be prepared. It comes from God. Now, as human beings, we are always working to try to create peace. That's why you notice all around us people are stocking up on gloves and masks and toilet paper and bread and canned foods because they're trying to create a sense of peace, a sense of security, a sense of being prepared for whatever might happen. But you know as well as anyone that Someone can be fully prepared for the worst possible events. They can have all of the things that they need, and they can still suffer terrible anxiety about the future. What we need is not our own self-created peace, but the perfect peace that God gives. So I said that we were going to find three truths about peace that will help us to live calmly in a troubled world. And this is the first truth, that God gives perfect peace. Now the second truth is, we find peace when our minds rest on God. We find peace when our minds rest on God. You can see this, again, looking at that verse, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So just to be clear about that word stayed, it has the idea of being propped up against or leaning against something. And so the question is, what is your mind leaning up against or propped up on? Well, your mind is propped up on the things that you believe. What you believe to be true, that is what your mind is leaning against. It's like a tree house that's propped up on several tree limbs. Now, if those tree limbs are strong and sturdy, then that tree house is going to remain stable, even in the middle of a great windstorm. But if one of those tree limbs is rotting, or there's a problem with that tree limb, 
and that tree limb comes crashing down, well, then the treehouse is going to wobble, and it will be unlevel, and very possibly that treehouse will also come crashing to the ground. Of course, the strongest tree limbs that you can rest your mind on are the tree limbs of the truth of God. God is the one reality who never changes. So when the howling wind and the torrential rains come sweeping down from the skies, the other tree limbs out there begin to shake and waver and even crash down. But those who have built their lives on the tree limbs of the truth of God are going to find themselves at peace when everything else is giving way. So again, let's review. We're looking for three truths about peace that will help us to live calmly in a troubled world. First, we saw that God gives peace. And now we just saw a second that we find peace when our minds rest on God. The third truth from this verse is that peace comes from faith in God. The verse says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now, at this point, you may have a question. Many people actually lose their peace when they begin to think about God. Maybe, maybe you've noticed this. We all have the atheist or agnostic friend who, as soon as you mention God to that person, they get really hyper. You know what I mean? Like, they clearly don't believe in God, and even the thought of God makes them just irritated. Why is that? If God is the one who gives peace, why does even the mere mention of God seem to take away peace from so many people? Why is that? And also, let's just be honest about this. Why do so many people today find it a bit troubling to think really deeply about God? If God is the one who gives us peace, then why do so many people find it to be so hard to read about God in the Bible? or to engage in really deep discussions about God with other people. Why is that? Why do so many people find their peace to be gone when they start to talk about God? Well, in this verse, Isaiah says that perfect peace comes because one trusts in God. It's not just that they know the facts about God. They actually trust in God and in who God is. They've internalized the truths about God, and they trust in him. And for that person, discussion about God and consideration of who God is brings great peace. So here's the point. If you want perfect peace, then you must trust in God. And that's not just merely a vague, general sense that there's a God out there. No, you need to trust in actually God as the Bible presents him to us. Now, let me point out to you that there are two very important truths about God that the Bible is constantly referring to. You have to trust these truths about God because they're at the core of who the Bible says that God actually is. This is the core of his very character. The first truth about God is that God is sovereign. In other words, he is in control. He is a king who rules over the whole world, and he does whatever he wants to in the world. There are no accidents that happen in the world. Nothing is by chance. The Bible says again and again and again that the Lord reigns. In Psalm 135, 6, the Bible says, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. 
And in Psalm 99.1, it says, The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. And we could turn to many other Bible passages to find the same truth. That God is sovereign. That he is in control. And that nothing occurs that is not under his authority. Not even the coronavirus. Now at this point, you might wonder, if God is sovereign, does that mean that he is evil? How could God allow so many terrible things to occur in the world? And the Bible's answer to that is, no, God is good. That's the second truth about God. God is good. We can find many Bible verses, again, that say this as well. Psalm 25, 8 says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. Psalm 119.68 says, You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. And 1 John 4.8 goes so far as to say, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. But if we believe these two things, if we believe that God is sovereign and that God is good, how can we be consistent? How can a good God allow evil things to happen in the world? Well, you know, I could try to answer that, but that's a very difficult question to answer. It's difficult because I could try to give you answers, but they would all be a bit vague and a bit theoretical, philosophical. But thankfully, the Bible actually provides a very concrete solution to the problem. And that solution is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me explain how. The Bible teaches, as you know, that Jesus is the divine Son of God, and he came to earth. He lived a perfect life on earth, but evil men crucified him on a cross. Now, can you imagine that? This is a travesty of justice. Here is a perfect man, a man who spent his whole life serving other people, but he is nailed to a cross to die on. Surely that is an evil thing that happened. Surely that is very wrong. But more than that, Jesus is the divine Son of God. He's not just anyone. He is God in the flesh. So when you think about all the terrible things that have happened in the world so far, from the dawn of history to the present, surely nothing could be worse than literally nailing the God-man to a cross and leaving him there to die. Now, surely this could not happen if God is sovereignly in control. Surely this could not happen if God is good, could it? Well, actually, it can. And it does. Even this, the worst event in human history, was exactly according to God's plan. Think about that. The worst event in human history was exactly in accordance with God's plan. The early Christians knew this. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 27 through 28, they prayed to God and said, Truly, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So the Bible does say that it was God's plan for Jesus to die. God had predestined it to take place. But even if God was in control of this, how can this be good? I mean, it's one thing to say that God predestined that, but how can we say that, that was actually a good thing, the worst event 
in the history of the world? Well, yes, we can. We can say that also because God takes even the worst things like the death of his son Jesus and he uses them to create good. The Apostle Paul thought that it was a good thing that Jesus died. In the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 8, he wrote, God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, for the Apostle Paul, the death of Jesus, the worst event in human history, is not only under the control of God, it's actually a demonstration of the love of God. To humanity. Now, think about how God used the death of Jesus for good. Let's just think about this, shall we? After Jesus dies, he resurrects, and he goes back to heaven. And, and let me just throw in a side note here. The Bible gives abundant evidence for that. If you look at the biblical evidence, you won't really be able to deny it. It's not really a, a matter of, of debate. Because the Bible gives so much evidence. It tells us what was in the empty tomb. It tells us about the eyewitnesses. So some people are going to try to evade this by saying, yes, but we don't even know about the resurrection. We don't know about the cross. Well, the Bible doesn't really leave that open as something for us to wonder about. Because the evidence is so strong. The evidence can stand in a court of law that Jesus really did suffer, die, and resurrect. But I'm getting off point. The point is thinking about how God could use the death of Jesus for good. Jesus goes through all of this because he is suffering for the sins of his people. He is the offering. That's right, Jesus dies in the place of sinners. He does this so that you do not have to die. So this is how God is able to use the worst event in human history to actually be a wonderful thing that benefits us. It's how God can take evil and turn it into good. If Jesus had not died on the cross, then every single person would have to face the wrath and judgment of a holy God. Now, why is this? Well, it's because God is too good to ignore the evil that we've done. It's only because Jesus died on that cross that you or I have any hope at all. And if we believe in Jesus, our sins are covered by his death. So, in fact, we find that in the worst atrocity in human history, even then, God was still perfectly in control, and he was still good. He was using this terrible event to save sinners and to give us hope. Now, this does raise a question, since we're on this topic, do you believe in Jesus? All this talk about trusting in God is rather theoretical, unless you have first believed in Jesus Christ. Until you have surrendered to him, repenting of your sins and trusting in Jesus to save you, your mind can't rest in a biblical understanding of God. So if you're not a Christian, let me just, as a side note, urge you to believe in Jesus. Because you can't rest your mind on God if you're not believing in his son, Jesus Christ. But let me summarize, though, for you where we have been. Because we've gone on this long rabbit trail about what exactly it means to trust in God. If we want to have perfect peace, we must trust in God. Not just vague concepts about who God is, but we must be convinced that he is actually sovereign and that he is actually good. 
And it's hard for us to understand God as sovereign and God as good. It's all very vague and theoretical until we come to the cross of Jesus Christ, where those truths come alive. And we can find that even in the worst event of human history, God is perfectly in control, and God is working all things for good. So, again, we've seen three truths about peace that will help us to live calmly in a troubled world. First, God gives perfect peace. Second, we find peace when our minds rest on God. Third, peace comes from faith in God. Now let's make this practical. The world is currently in turmoil. There are many troubling things that are happening. You may be facing job insecurity, sickness, or even death. But if you trust in the God of the Bible, resting your mind on him, you will experience perfect peace. Trust in God does not just mean that you say, yes, that's true, and then move on with life. It means that you actually live your life in light of the truth. Trust isn't just an assent to the truth. It's not just saying those facts are true. It's actually living out those facts. It's actually believing them genuinely, deeply. It means that you are a disciple of Jesus. So this is a call not for you to try to live good enough for God, and somehow by doing enough good things, God will give you peace as if you earned it for yourself, or as if you can find a relationship with God through earning it yourself. But this is simply a call to believe in God, to trust in Him through Jesus, day by day, to rest your mind on God. Because if you do that, if you rest your mind on God, trusting in Him, you will experience a perfect peace that only 